Hello and welcome to Connect Points podcast and sermon archives. If you'd like to learn more about our church, please go online to our website at connectpointupc.com or follow us on our Facebook page. Thank you very much and I hope you enjoy this week's message. God bless. Well, praise the Lord. How is everybody this morning? So you're doing better after those donuts, my God. Amen. And Brother Herbs, what a tremendous job. Aren't you glad that uh, each generation is, is growing? And I know some of you uh, that are helped found this church are happy to see the fruit of your labor going on. And thank you again for sharing Brother Herbs with us up in Indianapolis. Uh, he's blessing uh, both Calvary Christian School, now Indiana Bible College. And uh, we appreciate everything that the Lord is doing in his life. Amen. I want, to, I want to go to John 17 today, and I'm, I'm just going to talk a little bit. We'll see how this goes. It never really works. I tend to get animated. Uh, someone counseled me to go slow. <clears throat> it's probably the hardest challenge. I'm going to try. I, I'm, going to, I'm going to work through uh, 19 verses, and if Brother, Brother Herbs can go from Genesis to Revelation in about 30 minutes, hopefully I can get 19 verses in in 30 minutes. Uh, but I, I do want to build something today. I, I think I might title this something like this, When Jesus Did Not Pray for the World. All right, so we're, we're going to look at it. We're going to dive in. <clears throat> I, this is a wonderful, wonderful passage of Scripture. Uh, uh, John, well, let's, let's dive in. John 17, the Bible says, These words spake Jesus... And lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son also may glorify thee. As thou hast given him. Now, I don't know if you highlight in your Bible. Uh, but I just want to at least highlight it in your mind. Everybody say given. You've given him power over all flesh that he should have eternal life, or should, he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast, everybody say, given, given him. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast, everybody say, sent, sent. I have glorified thee on the earth. Now notice Jesus is praying here. And I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And again, gavest. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. Jesus, again praying, says, I have manifested thy name, Unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world, thine they are, and thou, and again, I'm going to point it out again, gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. Now they have known uh, that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee, for I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me. And they receive them, and have known surely that I have come out from thee, and thou hast, and they have believed that thou didst 
send me. Now here it is, verse 9, I want to key in. I had to lay all that out to get it in the context as we talked about yesterday. I pray for them. Turn to your neighbor say, turn to your neighbor say, for them. I pray for them, Brother Cox. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. And all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. Then Jesus says, and now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world. I am come to thee, Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me, I have kept, and none of them is lost but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. Of course, talking about Judas. And now come I to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they might uh, have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them thy word, And the world hath loved them. Oops, nope. Faithfulness cost you. I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Verse 15, again, I'm going to highlight it. I pray. You need to hang on to that for just a little bit. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but thou shouldest keep them from the evil. For they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Jesus is redundant. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so. Turn to your neighbor and say, just like it. Just like him. Even so, I have also sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through thy truth. When Jesus did not pray for the world. So, Brother Lear, we got to do a little apologetics up front. we gotta, we got to deal with some stuff because... You start talking about father-son language in the New Testament or Jesus praying, all of a sudden, sometimes good apostolic people get Holy Ghost hiccups. <laughs> what do I do with that? And, and, and so we're going to do that. I'm, I'm just going to point out that two times in the text, Jesus says, I come to thee, the one God, the Father of the Old Testament. By the way, Ephesians says, Brother Herbs, that there's only one God, the Father, Paul says in Ephesians 4. So Jesus is, uh, he says two times, I come unto thee. And then three times he says, I pray. So when he's coming to the one God to pray, what does that mean? It means in his flesh. Why? Because, and I've said it here before, it bears repeating, prayer is a petition, Brother Herbst, to a higher power for help. 
And God doesn't need to help God. God is, um, you ready? God is omnipotent. God is all powerful. So God doesn't need to help God. This is not about persons in the Trinity. This is about Jesus as a man doing what all men are called to do, which is pray and be empowered. You ready, Brother Brother Herbst? He's got to be the obedient servant. If he's going to be our substitute and die in our place, he first has to live in obedience. And that means just like you have to pray, he had to pray. Just like you need help doing the will of God, Jesus, as a man, couldn't lean on his own flesh. He had to be empowered also to walk in that way, to submit through obedience. And so 13 times he said, you gave, you sent, and you glorified. And again, that's something that Jesus could not get by himself. All right, so what is he talking about then? John 17 is called by many, and they get it right. It's fascinating until they start talking about the Godhead. They'll say it's about the Trinity, it's about this, it's about that. And Brother Hertz, it's funny because... Uh, they say this is Jesus' high priestly prayer. And it is. And, and Hebrews is clear that every high priest is taken from among men. I'm trying not, I, I don't I want to go so much on the Godhead, we'll get too sidetracked today. But it means this, that, that, that a high priest is not God. A high priest is a representative to God. Because our unholy people couldn't go to God, they need to go between. So a, a priest's job is, you already said it, Brother Herbs. You said it better, probably, I can't remember the phrase right now. But it's to represent the people to God and God to the people because they can't go themselves without being judged. So they need somebody to help them with the sin issue. All right, so, so gee, this is clear, clear anti-Trinitarian language uh, throughout the text. So it's about the work then that he was given as a man. And you ready? He's saying it's now going to be finished in his life through his obedience, not just the cross. Okay, so I had to go slow there a little bit. So that means if you're going to do the will of God, Brother Herb, she already said it, you have to obey. Now, now what does that mean? How many of you know, how many of you failed, all have sinned, come short of the glory of God, right? Okay, now how many of you will say, maybe even after I've been in church, I've had a little bit of a bad attitude and... Had to come back up to the altar and say, Jesus, I got a little trouble. She's back there. My wife's back there, Brother Lear. And I got a, I was a little tired. I know Brother Lear never does that. No, I'm not suggesting that at all, Elder. But sometimes I get tired and I get hungry and I get hangry. And, and you ready? I mouth off a little bit and I got to go. I got to go make, that's called a sin. Mm. Yeah, so, or, or brother, uh, brother Cox, even the harder thing, that him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him that is sin. So we talking about sins of commission. I don't drink and I don't chew and I don't run with girls that do, you know. That's great. That's awesome. But you ready? There's also sins of omission, things that you omit out of your life. How many of you have ever known you need to do something good and you didn't do it? It's called missing the mark. Hamartion, the Greek word means sin. And so uh, I know you're all like, well, we're all backslidden, going to hell, we're leaving today. Thank you, Brother Kilman, it's great having you. It's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, how, you ready, that there is a means of grace. There is a way to get back into obedience. There is a way to demonstrate the glory of God in your life. 
And it's only in that life of obedience could Jesus win the victory because then his death on the cross means something. Okay, so let me see if I can, I can uh, uh, dive into what I want to say. That was all extra. Hallelujah. So uh, this is the last evening before his death. It's almost the last thing that he says and does before his arrest uh, uh, in the Garden of Gethsemane. So he, he says, I'm going to pray something, but you ready? I'm not going to pray this for the world. Now, he's not saying don't ever pray for the world. Matthew 45, 44, he says, but I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. So Jesus is not saying don't ever pray for the world. He's doing something different, Brother Lear. This prayer request was specifically for his disciples. You ready? And I'm going to add that, but but it's recorded in Scripture so that we know he also prayed it for every disciple since then. Okay, so what, what, what do we see? Uh, let me just pick some things out of the context of this passage. First of all, you notice that all disciples are, first of all, those whom are given to Jesus. He's the high priest. He's the, the means of the sacrifice. He's the way that you can get into fellowship with God again through covenant uh, by your union with him, Brother Herbst, and the Spirit that you were so, so wonderfully talking about today. Number two, and you pointed this out again, Brother Herbst, the same thing's true here. Those who belong to God, you ready? Disciples are those who belong to God and to Jesus. The only way you can get in a right relationship with God is to go by the way of Jesus. That's why life eternal is knowing thee, the only true God. There's only one God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent, which is again God becoming the man by which he can win salvation. That's why the throne belongs unto the, you ready, God and unto the Lamb, and then it's his throne. Thank you for that, Brother Herbs. Beautifully said. And then thirdly, his prayer request is for, for this. It's both protection from the world and also a commission to the world. Now, if the Lord will help me today, I'm going to try to teach, not preach. But I want to explain and motivate, so maybe I'm preaching. So here's what I want you to do. If the Lord will help me, I want to show you that this prayer that is so specific, I pray for them, I pray not for the world. Why? We, that, how many of you think, well, that's, that's kind of puzzling? How many of you admit, like the first time I looked at it, I was like, well, that's kind of weird. I don't pray for the world. What is Jesus saying? Why not pray for the world? You know, doesn't Scripture show that he loves the world? Again, yes, but that's not why Jesus is praying this prayer right before he goes to the cross. And why pray this prayer only for his disciples? Now, those, those are the right questions. So you got to notice something else in the text as you read it too. Jesus distinguishes things. He separates the disciples from the world. Uh, now, Brother uh, Kern, we, we were talking with Brother Herbst, and, and you ready? There's, it's called insider-outsider language. And, and Jesus draws lines. 
And, and that's just the way it is. And it runs through the whole passage that the disciples are different from the world. So what is the distinction? Distinction. There's two keys, I think, to understanding Jesus' revelation here uh, as he begins to pray. Or to say it another way, the, the re- revelation is shown in Christ's prayer for us. How many of you are a disciple? How many of you know you're not of the world? You ready? Then this is a prayer request that Jesus can only pray for you. So first of all, you got to get the identity of his disciples. And then number two, once you get that right, Brother Herbs, you can understand the mission that he's giving his disciples in this prayer request. All right, I'm going to try to behave. Hallelujah. We're going to get there. So what is the identity, first of all? What distinguishes disciples from the world? Now turn to your neighbor and say, he's going to get to someplace good. But we got to deal with the first part first. So you ready? It's simple. It's in the text. They belong to Jesus and not the world. And Jesus says this twice. He's emphatically repetitive in the text. He says they're in the world, yet they don't belong to the world. What does it mean to belong to the world? It's very simple. You don't conform to the world's values. Your ultimate loyalties are not the same loyalties to those that are in the world. You ready? They don't bow down to other idols, the idols of culture, Brother Herbst, and worship at the feet of something pagan. To put it plainly, instead, your obedience doesn't belong to the patterns of the world. It belongs to God. I'm going to say it again. I like to pick on it all the time. What would Jesus do? Uh, Brother David, it's not just some stupid little shirt I wear. It's the potential of life in the Spirit. It's what God gives me through being born again. I have the capacity and the opportunity and the privilege to live a life that's, you ready, different from the things that are in the world. And I'll try not to get too preachy. So Romans 12, 2, Paul says it this way, be not conformed. To this world, the Greek word means literally to be pressed into the image of. And so be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And, 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 and again, like the old timers used to say, the things I used to hate, I now love. The things I used to love, I now hate. Why? Because that transformation of my heart by the Spirit, Brother Herbst, renews my thinking and, and my thinking and my motives. All of a sudden, I'm living differently. I have a changed being, new life. And so that's what Paul is. Uh, that's what uh, Paul discloses, and that's what Jesus is aimed at here. So, so the world, and I'll resist the urge to get into this too much, is a what what Paul calls in Colossians two a stoichian or a spirit system, and it's a it's a a system dominated by a worldly consciousness that has a a, a hierarchy of values and life commitments. So what are you saying, Brother Kilman? you got to deal with values and life commitments. So there are ideas and a spirit behind them. And, and, and Jesus is saying this, it's that thing which oppo- opposes the will of God and his values. That's how you know which system it is. So uh, I'll give you an example. They're not of the world. They're not of the spirit of the world. They're not of the values of the world. They're, they're instead, they belong to God. So uh, the world doesn't like obedience forced on that. Nobody's going to Tell me how to live. Now, I'm going to help you, okay? I promise we're going to get to someplace good. And, and if, you, if you're new here, know that I love you and, and I really am a nice person. 
But if you say no one is going to tell me how to live, you, you ready? That's either a vestige from that old world thinking that you haven't pulled off yet. Because you have a Lord. You have somebody who's going to tell you there is a glory that you can embrace. The glory that you've given me, Jesus says. God, I have given them. The same call that you've given me in the earth, I have given them. Because he's not only your Savior, he's also your potential of new life in the Spirit now. He's your model of what you can live. A life marked by the power of God, the glory of God, the intention, Brother Herbst, that Adam lost in the garden that glory of the potential of subduing the earth and, and you're ready bringing it unto the dominion of God and demonstrating his glory, that's what your life is supposed to be. So, so uh, let me see if I can, I, I can uh, dive in. So uh, they, they want freedom. They see, here's the terrible thing about the world. They see freedom as autonomy. I can do whatever I want. I can say whatever I want to say. I can think whatever I want to think. And it's self-rule and self-expression. And it's rebellion, which is called freedom. And it's bondage, which is called blessing. And the world calls evil good and good. See, here is what mostly people want. They want a relationship with God that they can opt in and out of. All right, so let's, uh, well, hallelujah. So, uh, yeah, uh, so what, what does that result in, Brother Herbs? It's fascinating. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, uh, uh, verse 18 says it this way, that they are alienated from the life of God. How? In our thinking. Because that old value system out there teaches me freedom is one thing when it's actually bondage. Let's, let me give you another passage. 2 Timothy chapter 2, I'll just read two verses for sake of time. Well, let's read three. I lied. Forgive me. Verse 24. And the servant of the Lord must not strive. <laughs> How many of you go, oh, put that down, brother. Come on. We don't want to read that verse. The servant of the Lord must not strive. What does he say? But be gentle unto oof, all men. Apt to teach. That means I need to be able to share my faith. Now, I understand, don't panic. Some of you are thinking, Brother Kilman, I can never do what you and Brother Herbst do. I understand we're teachers. We're, uh, a particular, we have a particular gifting in the fivefold ministry. You have, uh, you have other, like pastors or generals. Uh, Brother Cox, you have to do everything. You have to uh, dedicate babies and baptize people and teach Bible studies, lead teams, administrate gifts of, of administration. I primarily have been... Thank God for Brother Mooney, Brother Lear. He's paid me about 13 years to do much, not much, but study the Bible and teach it to young people. It's awesome. He, he said one time, I think I'd like to have Brother Kilman's job. I said, well, thank you very much, Pastor. I appreciate it. <laughs> Apt to teach. That means the ability to be able to share your faith, but be gentle unto all men. Apt to teach. Patient. Now, that, does, that means, okay, well, in, in meekness, instructing those that what? Oppose themselves. You need to walk out of here and see everybody that doesn't know Jesus as prisoners of war. You need to have compassion. You need to be patient. You need to teach with meekness. Because why? They're, and again, they're opposing themselves. If God preadventure will give them repentance, what would repentance look like? To the acknowledging of the truth. And that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him 
at his will. See, that's what you have to understand, that that system of worldly thinking, that ideas lead them into bondage, and they're trying to have good lives. You ready? But they're opposing themselves by what they do and what they think and what they say. And sin is its own judgment. Sin is its own bondage. And what God needs you to do is to understand your role is, first of all, to live something so then you can go say something. Okay, I'm going to try to be patient and get to it. So what a disciple is, is about commitment and obedience. And it clashes with radical autonomy, all you wonderful American people. So here's what the Scripture says. We're, we're not made... Uh, for freedom from belonging, but we're made for freedom in belonging. Let me say it another way. Uh, There's no freedom from laws. There's only freedom in laws. Okay, so what does that mean? It means that basically the Bible teaches that we're very selfish. Uh, Brother Zach, I know you're not, but I got a a 19-year-old up in Indianapolis, and, and mostly my job as a parent is to take his kind of selfish tendencies. There are good stuff in there too because he's created in the image of God, but to teach him that, that mostly you need to be formed for freedom. So you need a parent to get in your grill every once in a while that loves God and knows, the, knows the, the ways that you should live and say, if you're going to live the best life you can absolutely live, you need to be formed, you need to be challenged, you need to be taught your responsibility so that you can embrace the highest liberties in life. I'll prove it to you, Brother Cox. Uh, you know, you played basketball at the Big Ten country. Yeah. That's been a few years, yes. I, 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 was, I refuse to bring up the rival between the Pacers and the Bulls. Hallelujah. Michael Jordan. I prayed cramps on that guy. I prayed all sorts of things. Never worked. Hallelujah. Must not have been God's will, brother. They're praying for the right things. <laughs> but you ready? If you don't discipline yourself, if you don't form yourself, you're not free to participate in the game. If you don't embrace discipline, you will never be free to do some things in life. And see, that's what, that's what the Bible is teaching, that we find meaning in responsibility. That's why Jesus has got to, first of all, say, you're in the world, but not of the world. You ready? You are not, you don't belong to the world. That means you find fulfillment in following. You find fulfillment in life in being a disciple. You find power in your purpose. And so true freedom brings the qualities of life that are found in Jesus. Now, what does that look like? In place of a trivial life, you can have a life of passion and commitment. In the place of the culture of blame and victimization in our culture, you can have healing and forgiveness. In the place of degradation of relationship, you can have morality and chastity and marital love. Instead of exploitation and the destruction of others, you can learn to love people and care for all people. And see, that life of Jesus can be formed in you. And only as that's formed in you, can you then walk out of this this place that we call the church and be a benefit to the world. So what does it mean to be in the world then and yet not of the world? You don't belong to the world. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're not of the world. That means you don't belong to it. 
But see, here's the crazy thing, Sister Lear. We often, the church often teeters back and forth between these two, and we live in extremes sometimes. Be ready, you're not of the world, and yet God has called you to be in the world. And only in the quality of the substance of your life, you ready, that you're not of the world, can then you be truly be in the world. Because you're not of the world, that's why he left you here. And you're not raptured yet, because he has a plan and agenda for your life. And the fact that you're not of the world is the only way you should ever be still in the world. Because God needs something other than this broken world to represent the potential of what he gave us and called us to in the garden. You ready, Brother Herbs? Adam didn't live up to it. So Jesus has got to show us what our life can be in the spirit. And that commission that the man, Jesus, demonstrated and gave glory to God. The glory that I had with you before the world was. Which was what? To live out true humanity. A life that demonstrates the glory of God, not just the, well, hallelujah, I'll, I'll try to behave and stay on track. See, what does it mean? So when we, when, we, when we talk about being in the world, not of the world, we can get so concerned with not being of the world that we withdraw and we forsake our mission. You're, uh, God, mm-hmm. Okay, hallelujah. This is Kilman, K-I-L-O-M-O-N. God didn't call you to be some little cloister community waiting for the rapture. God God called you to be others so that you can help. God didn't call you to be some little nun, or forgive me for that, all due respect to the Catholic Church. You ready? He didn't call you to be in some monastery somewhere where you, you know, just do all these weird things and you never go interact with my neighbors. Why? Because I'm afraid of contamination. Now you need to be concerned. Make sure you're not of the world. But you ready? The first thing you got to realize, Brother, uh, Brother Cox, the only reason we're not of the world is because we're called by that substance to be in the world that way. And the only way you get to evangelism, now I'm going to be a little pointed here, the only way you can ever help somebody is to represent something in the substance of your life that's not broken. That's why Paul's very clear. And, and thank God for the United Pentecostal Church, Brother Lear, thank you for your work. There are certain people we don't give license to. Why? Because they haven't met the criterion of 1 Timothy chapter 3 and Titus chapter 1 and 2. Why? Because if you don't demonstrate changed life, how can you help somebody? You can talk about something, but you don't know anything about it because it's really not in your life and only as a reality. Now, I'm going to be a little... You ready? Your spirit-filled life. How many of you know God has changed you? Then only you can walk out of here and represent the glory of God and help people to understand that if I can overcome and if I can get all of these negative worldly things out of my life, you become the beacon of hope and God can... You ready? Jesus says, i got to pray for somebody to be sent and the only people that I can send is those that have changed and that's why he doesn't pray that for the world worldliness will not reach the world only new life so we can and and you ready then the, the other side of the equation sister Lear is we can be so concerned to be with the world that we compromise our calling and then we forsake the thing that gives power to our mission We've got to make sure that we understand why Jesus is lifting this up. So what's the result of those extremes? Either the lamp is hidden under the bushel or the salt has lost its savor. Are you ready? We're so self-enclosed, it's no use to... It's no use to the people that we're called to reach because we're trapped. You ready? We're away from the world or we're so assimilated, we have nothing to offer. 
And that's why the church's being, its life, is in belonging to Jesus. The apostle says in Acts 17, 28, in him we live and move and have our being. We belong to Jesus. And that means the life of Jesus' followers is the life of Jesus himself. You ready? He's, he, he was moved wherever his love was needed. And when you see broken people in the coffee shop, you need to be moved with compassion just like your Lord was. Why? Because as you have sent me, Father, I have sent them. And he says that's why he's eating with publican and sinners. But you ready, Brother Lear? They're attracted to him by his being different. And the woman can come in with that alabaster box and break it. Why? Because she's not like the guy who doesn't want her in her house and calls her a sinner. You ready? But she knows that his life is different. And if I can somehow get attached to Jesus and worship him, maybe I can have a connection with something other so that you ready? My life can be changed. And it requires courage to be different, to be like Jesus for the world's sake. That's our commission. So what does that mean? To belong to Jesus sets us free to be in the world. But only in belonging are you set free. So you ready? Where people need us to be, where God needs us to be, and calls us to be. To be in, you ready? Not enslaved to the world. Why? Because the world needs other than enslaved. And that's how you do it. So, so what's the mission? Number two. And I'm hastening to a close today. That's a trick. It's only about halfway. So what we need to see is, is mission as identity. Miss, mission as substance. Who are we is why we're sent. Oh, I'll, I'll try to stay on point. So Jesus is in this passage in John 17. It's beautiful. He's praying for the mission of his church. Jesus says, as thou hast sent me into the world, even so, in the exact same way, have I also sent them into the world. And you ready? The way to be different is clear. It's not withdrawal, but be separated for service to the world. So that means to take part in his mission to the world. Let me give you 1 John 3, 8. I'm sorry, guys, I didn't give you any of these chapters. Brother TJ, forgive me. 1 John 3, 8 says it this way. He that committeth sin is... Of the devil. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. You know what your commission is? You know what Jesus prays for you to embrace? Otherness, so that you can walk out of here and literally see the destruction of sin in people's lives. Let's go to Luke 4, 18 through 21. Another one of my favorite passages of Scripture. Now again, Jesus is praying. Remember, if he's praying, it's in his flesh. I'm going to give you a rule of thumb. Anytime Jesus is praying, he's always praying as a human being. So uh, chapter 4, verses 18 through 21, he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed. That means empowered. Anointing is empowered. God doesn't empower God, Brother Lear. That's a problem. Because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, 
to preach deliverance to the captives and the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book and he gave it again to the minister and sat down. And, and the eyes of all of them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began, everybody say began. Why? Because it's not going to stop with him, brother Hurst. And he began to say unto them, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. Now, can you see why Jesus didn't pray uh, for the world in this prayer request? Because he can only trust his disciples with his mission to the world. He's not forgetting about the world or writing it off. He's praying for us and our mission to understand and embrace our role. Because only the saved life can answer this call. All right, let me, let me, uh, let me uh, wrap up today. So that's an extraordinary responsibility that Jesus is praying that only we can do this in the world. And so he entrusts this mission to only those that belong to him because that's all he can trust it to. So let, let me sum up. I'll give you a, a few points today. You've got you to deal with this kind of identity of who you are. How must we be different and yet engaged? You ready? Uh, understanding is this, that, that the stronger our commitment the greater our ability to reach. Do you understand why the devil's after your obedience? Because he can get you to forsake your mission. He can stop you from having the ability to do literally the will of God. The, the attraction and the challenge comes uh, from unbelievers as they see the life of Christ lived out in me. They need to see little Jesus is walking around. Something different about your life. I don't see it marked by the same things. And you're ready, that, that, that attraction and also that challenge of both of those things make them say that if, if God can help you overcome, maybe he can help me overcome. And so our engagement with the world is only sustainable then in this way. From our life in Christ, Brother Herbst, and that, that by the Spirit, that empowered life by the Spirit, and then obedience to His Word. I don't know how many of these I gave you. That's like number five. I'm so sorry for not numbering for you. So number six, our lives become what Jesus is praying for is a supernatural expression of God's glory. Why? Uh, Father, glorify me with the glory that I had with you before the world was. And then he says, that same glory I have given them. You read all of John 17 on your own time. He says, the glory that you've given me, I have given them. What glory that your human life can be used by God to demonstrate his glory in your otherness and win people to him. I know some of you are fighting today and you're wondering, Lord, this just gets hard serving you sometimes. And I understand, but you are the glory of God. 
I understand that the enemy tries to talk you out of obedience and, and wear you out and, and make you and maybe even get you fearful. But I, I promise you, your life is lived to glorify God, to be a beacon of hope, to draw men to Him. Now, how many of you go, I, I get it, Brother Kilman. Let me just add a little addendum. We would fail if, Brother, Brother Cox, if that was just in our human abilities. We would fail. You ready? Uh, if it was just in our human abilities to be able to read and understand the values and the objectives of Scripture, it's through, Brother Hertz, that power of the Spirit you were talking about that now I can demonstrate that glory of what's going to ultimately be expressed uh, in, in eternity but can be expressed right now in my life. So I guess this is what I'm trying to say. I believe what Jesus is saying is something like this. What really reaches the world, what really reaches others in the way that they need it. See, I understand you can have friendships in the world, but they need you to be a certain kind of friend. What really reaches others in the way that they need us is only as the Jesus in us enables us. Now, how many of you go, okay, Jesus is asking a lot of us. But that's exactly why he prays for us. Uh, so here's what I would say. I, I, this is my prayer for you. This is out of this little Bible study today. Is that you understand why you're different, first of all. And secondly, to get the revelation that that's what the world needs. I'll give you a classic example. I probably shared here, this here before, but it just helps you understand the, how it would work. Nonetheless, there's a, a lady up in Indianapolis, and I'll, I'll try to say this. I know we got kids in the room. I'll try to say this as careful as I can. Uh, she grew up with a, a, a terrible alcoholic, a moonshining father, and, and he uh, physically abused and other type of abuse, if you understand what I mean, um, the, the kids in that family, and it was just a, a horrible, horrible condition she grew up. Uh, she got married, moved out of the house, uh, moved up north to Indianapolis, uh, got filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. God changed her life. And, and you know, you, when you look, see, it's like uh, Thanksgiving's coming up, right? How many of you know your life's different? And you walk into very broken places, and sometimes the language offends you, and sometimes the entertainment offends you, and your temptation is to say, "Bus God, we just ain't going back there no more. They need you. Now, I'm not talking about accommodating, and I'm not talking about participating. You've got to be not of the world in order to be in the world correctly. But this, this wonderful lady and, and her husband, she had a, a great family. When her dad, her father, gets crippling arthritis... And God lays him out. He's in a wheelchair, and then finally he can't even move. He's just laying in the bed. And that woman brings that man into her home, Brother Cox, and waits on him hand and foot. How can a woman, after that type of abuse, do that? It's supernatural. It's the life of Christ in her by His Spirit. Now I'm not. I want to be careful here, and brother, if you need, if you're dealing with some stuff, you probably need to talk to Pastor and Sister Cox to be careful. Don't put yourself in abusive situations. I'm not saying that. 
But that man is laying there and he can't even move hardly in the bed. She has to take care of him going to the restroom and everything, cleaning him up. And just and God helps her. And, and uh, Sister Brenda, the crazy thing is, is they bring him to church and he hears the truth. And this hardened, hardened, moonshining guy from uh, the hills of, uh, of Tennessee is... Uh, Breaks down Brother Cox, he sees it, and they take him, and they can't get him in the wheelchair, so they have to put him in a chair, and they have to carry him down in a chair, and his son is watching in the back as that hardened man goes down in the water in Jesus' name. Totally stunned his whole family. And later on, they're, they're at the house, Brother Lear, and, and, and you know, those good, good old apostolic uh, altar-working ladies and men are like, now, now, oh, I won't say his name. We'll call him Bill. Bill, because I want to protect the family. I said, Bill, you need, to, you need to just start crying out to Jesus and worshiping God and, and asking him to fill you with the Holy Ghost and then praise him by faith. Just say hallelujah. Just say hallelujah and begin to worship God. And, and, and so he gets back home. He didn't get the Holy Ghost that day. But uh, later on at the home, he's, uh, the, the lady is working in the front kitchen. And, and he says, honey, what, what, what was it I'm supposed to say again to get the Holy Ghost? She said, just say hallelujah, daddy. Just say hallelujah and begin to worship God. And how can God do that? How can God save a man like that at the end of his life because of the supernatural change in his daughter? And the fact that she's other is the power to reach him. That you can love when you shouldn't be able to love according to the world. But that's, you ready? That is hard. How can I accomplish that? That's Jesus' prayer request. To help those that are filled. You ready? Called to be his disciples. Actually live that changed life. Stand with me. I'm going to take a little risk. I know we're going to do a Q&A. But here's what I do. I I do feel like I want to pray for you a little bit. Thank you for listening to our podcast this week. We hope you enjoyed this message. Remember, if you would like to find out more information about our church or to contact us, please go online at connectpointupc.com. And also, don't forget to subscribe in your podcast app so you will be automatically notified of new episodes. Thank you, and we hope you have a great week.